Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles. We're going to start in Isaiah chapter 53, then we're going to go to Matthew uh, chapter 27. Uh, so um, you, can, uh, you can be turning there as we get ready this morning. And as I was getting ready for the message this week, I've um, been thinking about justice. And uh, I think that, that most of us have a desire within us for justice. Would you say that is true of yourself? Um, and maybe that's why those, the crime dramas are popular on TV. Now, I've never really been one much to watch them, but they just keep coming. Like, there's always a new crime drama, it seems. So uh, maybe that's because uh, uh, we, we, want, we have a sense of justice. So we have a justice system that's really twofold. It's meant to prevent crime, but then also to prosecute crime. So if somebody has done something wrong, we have a, a justice system for that. And I, and I know, I don't know about you, but it seems like when there's a controversial case, then that's where the discussion is. What's right and what's wrong? Sometimes the line between right and wrong is uh, blurry, or at least one person thinks it's over here and another person thinks it's, it's over here. Um, and so we, we have this, I think we have an inner sense of justice. We feel uh, satisfaction when we feel justice has been served, but we feel some inner turmoil or maybe even anger when we feel justice has not been served. Anybody feel that? Have you thought about this? That as Christians, we celebrate probably every week the greatest injustice in the history of the world. You thought about that? We're going to talk about that uh, this morning. So uh, two weeks ago, we talked about who is Jesus? Like, who is this Jesus guy that we talk about all the time? We, we talked about that he is the Son of God, he is the Christ or the Messiah, he is God himself, and he is our Savior. Uh, last week, we started to talk about why was Jesus on trial? We're going to uh, pick up why did Jesus go to the cross this morning. But uh, last week we were, t- we were discussing this. Jesus was crucified because it was the plan of God for salvation accomplished by the actions of men. That's what we talked about last week. And this morning I want to talk about the fact that the cross satisfied God's justice through his love. Why don't you pray with me and, uh, and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, <clears throat> thank you for loving us. Uh, Lord, we, do, uh, we praise you and we, we honor you and we glorify you because you are a just God, uh, but you are also a loving God. And Lord, this morning I pray that we would, uh, through our time here, have a, a better understanding how your justice and your love, they work together beautifully for our salvation. Uh, Lord, would you open our eyes Would you give us uh, a spiritual understanding this morning, I pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Uh, When I was growing up in uh, Ontario, Canada, uh, coming up to Easter, Good Friday was a holiday. All the banks were closed, the schools were closed, a lot of stores were closed, and then Easter Monday was also a holiday. So it was a a four-day weekend, and so on Good Friday, we would go to a Good Friday service on, uh, on Friday morning. And those, um, those services were very somber. They were very reflective. 
they, were, they discussed Jesus' uh, suffering on the cross. There was, no, there was no to little discussion of his resurrection and the life that comes from it, but we talked about his uh, suffering. And so that, I think the, the idea was to kind of set the stage to be thinking about this throughout the day on Friday, throughout the day on Saturday, and then we would come together on Sunday morning to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus and the, and the life that we have because of that. And so this morning, perhaps we'll feel some of that uh, heaviness. It's not Good Friday today, but I really want us to think about uh, Jesus on the cross. Why was he there? That was the question last week. Why was he on trial? Why was he on the cross? So last week, we talked about uh, Jesus in front of several groups of people, the chief priests, the high priests, the Sanhedrin, uh, the, the elders, he was in front of Pilate, all these different trials where they tried to come up with a reason to crucify him, and they settled on the fact that he claimed to be God, so we are going to, uh, we are going to crucify him. So we know that uh, it was a mockery of true justice. Uh, we know that he was beaten, he was scourged, he was uh, humiliated, and he was uh, taken to the cross. So I want you to be thinking about, uh, most of you probably are familiar with, this, with the crucifixion of Jesus. I want you to be thinking about that as we read from um, Isaiah chapter 53 this morning. This is prophecy of the Messiah to come. We're going to uh, read the whole chapter. So Isaiah chapter 53, verse 1. Uh, this is written of Jesus. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we were healed. All we are like sheep gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. And they made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring, he shall prolong his days. The will of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore I will divide him a portion with the many, and he shall divide the spoil with the strong, because he poured out his soul to death 
and was numbered with the transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Do you, did you see Jesus going to the cross as we read that passage? Do you think about what Jesus went through for you, what he went through for me? In Matthew chapter 27, uh, the, the, the various trials that I mentioned have taken place. Uh, Pilate has, has uh, released Barabbas to the crowd. He washed his hands of, of the, the situation. He said, I washed my hands. This, blood's, this man's blood is on you. It's not on me. And in verse 27 of Matthew chapter 27, this is what we read. The soldiers of the governor, which was Pilate, took Jesus into the governor's headquarters and they gathered the whole battalion before him. And they stripped him, put a scarlet robe on him, and twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And kneeling before him, they mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they spit on him. They took the reed and they struck him on the head. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. And as they went out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name. They compelled this man to carry Jesus' cross. When they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of the skull, they offered him wine to drink mixed with gall, but when he tasted it, he could not drink it. And when they had crucified him, they divided his garments among them, casting lots. Then they sat down and kept watch over him there. And over his head, they put the charge against him, which read, This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Then two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, You who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes and the elders, the leaders of the people of Israel, mocked him, saying, He saved others, but he can't save himself. He is the King of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God, let God deliver him now, if he desires him. For he said, I am the Son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over the land until the ninth hour. That would be from like 12 o'clock noon until 3 o'clock. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And some of the bystanders hearing it said, this man's calling Elijah. And one of them at once ran and took a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, let's wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. And Jesus cried out again, with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. Were you picturing that with me? It's what Jesus did for us. 
I was thinking about this idea of justice. Like, how is that just? How is that right? Like I said earlier, and we do, we celebrate that Jesus went to the cross for us. And then we read it and we think, Jesus went to the cross for me. Like, he, he did that for me. Where is the justice in that? So as I was uh, looking at this idea of uh, the cross being the place where God's justice was satisfied, uh, I read these verses. Uh, not relating to the cross, but it, it, it got me to thinking, so I'm going to share it with you. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. It says, For the Lord your God is the God of gods and Lord of lords, the great, the mighty, and the awesome God who is not partial and takes no bribe. Is that our God? He executes justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves the sojourner, giving him food and clothing. So the, the idea here in this verse that he executes justice is that um, he, he, God weighs the merits of the case and makes a decision. He makes right what is wrong. That's the purpose of the justice system. There's been a wrong, we're going to try to make it right. And so, so in, this, in this verse, God is executing justice. He's trying to make right what is wrong. He's, he's weighing the merits of the case. He's making a decision for the fatherless, the widow, the, the sojourner, which we wouldn't use that word. We would probably use the word immigrant. And, and he makes a decision for those people. So as I read this verse, this is the question that I asked. How does God execute justice for the sinner. How, how does God execute justice for me, a sinner before him, the righteous God? When, when God weighs the merits of my case, what does he decide? Thank you. <laughs> I don't know who said it, but you're right, guilty. For Sodom and Gomorrah, it was severe. During the days of the flood, it was a worldwide. Ananias and Sapphira received immediate justice for their sin. Let's look at a few verses together. James chapter 1, verse 15 says that when desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and when sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Sin leads to death. Romans 6.16 actually says sin leads to death. Romans 6.21, speaking, of, of, uh, speaking to people when they were, before they knew God, what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which now you are ashamed? So before you were Christian and you were, you were doing those sinful things, what fruit were you getting? The end of those things is death. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. God's justice demands a payment for sin. And that payment is death. We, we talk about Adam and Eve. We bring up the story of Adam and Eve a lot because there is such, it's such a foundational uh, account uh, for, for the whole scripture. And we're going to look at it again this morning through this, through this lens of justice. And of course, uh, we know the story of Adam and Eve. God created the world. He created a beautiful garden. He put 
uh, Adam and Eve in it, to tend to it, to take care of it. And in Genesis 2.16, uh, the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. So God says, I've created this garden and you can have everything in it, but I'm going to protect you from, from the knowledge of good and evil. Don't eat from this tree, but you can have everything else. In the next chapter, Genesis chapter 3, we see Adam and Eve together. And it says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, speaking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and that it was a delight to the eyes and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took its fruit and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband, Adam, who was with her, and he ate. So clear instruction from God, do not eat from this tree. And then clear rebellion against God. God, I know what you said, I'm going to do what I want instead. I'm going to, I'm going to do it my way. So what, would, what is the just thing for Adam and Eve? Death. I mean, that's, it was spelled out. We just, we just read it. That's what God said to them. And, and, and they chose to sin against God. As I was reading this week, I, I came across this, and I couldn't, uh, I, I couldn't find out who wrote it. So this is, these aren't my words, but I think they're worth reading. When Adam and Eve sinned, in Genesis chapter 3, justice could not overlook it. Their crime does not seem so great to us who wears Adam's skin. What did they do? They just ate a tree. They just ate an apple. They took a cookie out of the cookie jar when, when grandma said, don't eat the cookies, we're going to save them for after. What's the big deal? It's just a cookie. It's just an apple. But consider it from heaven's viewpoint. The great Lord God Almighty, unchallenged ruler of everything, Lord of angel armies, worthy of all adoration and worship, had been defiled by the dust he had formed into people. He had made these creatures for his own purpose and pleasure. He showered them with love and bounty on them. He also gave them free will. Of course, we read what happened, what they did with that free will. So, continuing to read, At that moment, the creature committed high treason against the Creator. Justice demanded action. For God to overlook or excuse the treason would not be just. Because God is just, he cannot make a rule, establish the penalty, and then not follow through when the rule is broken. He, set, he, set, he made the rule, he set the penalty, and he, now he's got to follow through. And we have, we have the scriptures full of, of God's rules and instructions for us. With the penalty set, we read it in multiple places this morning. The wages of sin is death. And yet, I'm standing here. You're sitting here. We're all breathing. Where's, where is God's justice? If God is a just God, where is God's justice if we're all sitting here singing praises to him this morning? In the case of Adam and Eve, we know Adam and Eve were banished from the garden. They didn't die uh, on that day, but they, they no longer had the physical ability to live forever on this earth. In Genesis 3, chapter 21, we see 
that God provided a substitution because God is just, but God is also merciful. God is also love. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, the Lord made for Adam and for his wife garments of skin and clothed them. So the death wasn't for Adam and Eve that day. The death was for the animal. And with that animal skin, he provided Adam and Eve a, a covering. God's justice was satisfied because of his love for Adam and Eve and the big word, two big words, substitutionary atonement. The lamb for Adam and Eve. Well... Scripture doesn't say it was a lamb, but this animal for Adam and Eve. God's justice demanded a payment of death. God's love offered a sacrificial substitute through the animal for Adam and Eve. So we too have sinned against, as as, uh, this person wrote, the great Lord God Almighty, unchallenged ruler of everything, Lord of angel armies, worthy of all adoration and worship. And our sin, according to God's justice, demands a payment of death, but God's love offered a sacrificial substitute. One who... Substitute... We got anybody play sports, you get tired, you look over at the coach, and the coach sends in a substitute. You come out, and somebody goes in in your place. Substitutionary atonement, the atonement, paying the price for our sins. The wrath of God for the sins of the world were placed on Jesus on the cross. He is the perfect sacrifice. And so we read here just a minute ago in Matthew chapter 27, there was darkness over the land in the, from the sixth hour to the ninth hour. In verse uh, 46 in Matthew 27, it was about the ninth hour, and Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lemma sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why is Jesus crying out to God in this way? Because the sins of the world were being placed on him. My sins were being placed on him. Your sins were being placed on Jesus on the cross. He who knew no sin, taking our sin on him so that we could have his righteousness, so that we could sing his praises this morning. Uh, Peter writes about this in in 1 Peter uh, 2, verse 24. Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Jesus took on our sins, and the wrath of God was satisfied. And we were given Christ's righteousness for those who believe. First Peter 3:18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. That's the substitution there. Jesus the righteous, we're the unrighteous. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. Jesus died for our sins. He died for the sins of the world, for those who would believe in him. 
the righteous for the unrighteous, bringing us to God. God did that for us because he loves us. Not that we deserve it, not that we were lovable, but he loved us anyways. Uh, Romans 5 verse 8, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Are you thankful for that this morning? I said it was going to be a little bit heavy this morning, but out of this heaviness, I hope that uh, we have a, a word of thanksgiving in our hearts and on our lips for what God has done for us. First um, John 3.16, and I don't think I gave this to you, Craig. By this we know, love, that Jesus laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. 1 John 4.10, in this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And he sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, which is propitiation, big work, perfect sacrifice that satisfied God's wrath for us. God is a just God who cannot allow sin to go unpunished. But God is also a God of love. And he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. As we close this morning, I want to read uh, to you from Romans chapter 3 in the New Living Translation. Uh, this is verses uh, 23 through 26. It says, For everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. You put yourself in that group? That's where I'm at. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. How's that just? He did this through Jesus Christ when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. Which the choir so beautifully sang about. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair, God was being just, when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. For he was looking ahead and including them in what he would do in this present time. God did this to demonstrate his righteousness. For he himself is fair and just. And he makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. You say, thank you, Lord, with me? Thank you, Lord. I want us to think about that this week. We've got seven days till Easter Sunday. I want us to think about what Jesus, the lengths that Jesus went to for us. The fact that, that we deserve that penalty of death, and yet he died in our place. And next week, we're gonna, that's what we're going to celebrate. But I want us just to feel some of that heaviness as we consider what he did. And out of that heaviness will come forth thanksgiving and praise and celebration. And we're going to save that for next week. Why don't you bow your heads? We're going to pray together.
Just with your, with your heads bowed this morning, I hope as we, as we looked at these, these scriptures that this was a, a confirmation to you and a reminder to you what, in what Jesus did for you, what he did for me. And it's really just an affirmation of the things that you already believe. But maybe there's some here this morning that this is, maybe this is brand new. Maybe you've heard uh, about uh, God and Jesus and there's a, a level of belief, but you've never put your personal faith and trust in Jesus. You've never said, God, I am a sinner. I recognize that I deserve the penalty of death. And yet, God, I am so thankful that Jesus went to the cross. He was the perfect sacrifice and he died in my place. There was a substitution that took place. And, and there's some verses in Romans, we call them the Romans Road, and, and they kind of take us down a path of understanding towards salvation. And Romans tells us, there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages or payment for that sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because God demonstrated his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And if we confess with our mouths and that Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. It's just as simple as saying, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I believe that Jesus died for me. If you're coming to that realization for the first time this morning, I would encourage you to come to the, to the front uh, after the service to pray with one of our, one of our elders. If, if, if you're just coming to this understanding this morning that you're a sinner, you need a Savior, and Jesus is that Savior, would you, just, would you raise your hand this morning? Love for... for uh, someone to come and pray with you. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for the cross. We thank you, uh, God, that you are willing to send your son. We thank you, Jesus, that you were uh, willing to give up your life. We thank you, uh, Holy Spirit, that you come and you fill us when we put our faith and trust in Jesus. God, I ask that you would remind us this week of the lengths that you went to for us on our behalf and that you would, uh, Lord, be stirring up a song of praise in our hearts, that you, because of what you have done for us, that we would be spurred to action. We'd have a desire to, to, to let our neighbors, to let our family members, to let our coworkers know that Jesus went to the cross for them too. Lord, we just close this morning with thanks to you for sending your son. Thanks to Jesus for being our Savior. And we pray this in Jesus' name.